Well, welcome, and thank you, Thad, for joining the GSI briefing to discuss New Jersey's state finances today. Thanks for having me, Regina. Well, in today's conversation, we're going to focus on both sustainability and affordability of the road that New Jersey's traveling down. And you just published a report, Thad, for GSI entitled New Jersey's Fiscal Cliff Explained, which sounds a bit ominous. So I know your goal was actually to communicate in very plain English what both residents and businesses ought to expect in the next few years as to the affordability of New Jersey. So that let's draw the big picture first for the audience. And after that, then we'll talk about other states and compare ourselves to that. So to begin that, let's talk about over the last five to six years, how has spending in the state of New Jersey changed? The first step is to establish what spending was like before the for the last five to six years. So from about 2013 to about 2017, roughly, annual revenue growth for the state of New Jersey's budget was limited to about 1% annually. Now, obviously, some years it might increase a little bit more, it might increase a little bit less, but on average, it grew about 1% annually during that time period. So because revenue growth was limited in the state budget, uh, state spending was also limited as a result because you, you obviously can't spend money that you don't collect. However, as you noted about five or six years ago, beginning in about 2018, revenue growth increased significantly. Again, some years a little bit more, some years a little bit less, but on average, it grew about 5% annually, which, which is far in excess of annual inflation rates. And annual spending as a result of that also increased significantly during the past five to six years. Listeners will obviously note that during the past five or six years, we had a significant uh, event, the pandemic. New Jersey received a lot of money from the federal government, as did other states and localities. New Jersey actually received about $8.5 billion between the CARES Act and the uh, state and local fiscal recovery funds. That is the equivalent of nearly a quarter of the state budget prior to the pandemic. So we're talking about a huge amount of money that was showered on, on New Jersey. To return to your question, though, what's happened to spending in the in the past five to six years? New Jersey did not spend its federal money setting up permanent new programs, which would require recurring revenues for ongoing funding, which some states and some localities actually did. And they're now finding themselves in situations where they have to um, either cut those programs or or increase taxes and fees to support them. But New Jersey did use some of that money to fund ongoing obligations. And essentially what the federal money allowed New Jersey to do was spend money elsewhere in the budget. So while it didn't necessarily set up new programs, it did allow the state to supplant its, its existing money and, and move the money to other areas. Such as, like what would be some of those examples? For example, the state has been able to make its full pension payments for the past few years, which is a seemingly good thing, but it was able to do that in part because some of its spending on health, public health, was being picked up by federal money, uh, and that, that federal money is now ending. And so as the federal money is ending, the state is facing the result of its past decisions, which is the budget has grown significantly and it doesn't have federal money any longer to back it up. 
between 2013 and 2017, during that entire time period, total revenues from New Jersey's uh, budget grew less than 5%. And as a result, spending was kept to um, less than 4% growth during that time period. After that time period, revenue has grown uh, more than 26%. Spending has grown nearly this, the same amount, but not quite as much. But the spending has grown about 23%. So, Pat, let, let's be a little bit more specific because, uh, you know, to restate a little bit, you said mm -hmm. that, you know, spending has gone up and the way we've been able to enable that spending is much caused by this influx or largesse, I think was your word, right, of the federal funds that have come in. And that will be recurring if we want to keep spending at that rate or higher, which has been kind of the trend we've been on. Um, there's going to be implications for that. So let's be a little bit more specific now for the audience. So what impact, can, if we continue down this path at the spending rate that we are, what impact will this have on taxes? And you know, what is it that we ought to be prepared for coming up in the very near future? Well, it's interesting because we're seeing already this year that New Jersey has hit a tipping point in terms of its revenues. So right now, the state is actually on track to collect less revenues, not more revenues, despite the fact that, that it has budgeted for more revenues for the past five or six years. You know, specifically, current New Jersey tax rates um, that are higher than most states um, are now producing less revenue. It's not producing more revenue. So, you know, um, one might think that by simply increasing rates, you will automatically collect more tax revenue or more fees. But that is that is not what actually happens. As an example, New Jersey collects income tax. About 10 years ago, the very top of the income distribution paid about 50% of all the income taxes in the state. Now they pay about two thirds of the income taxes. Now that that may seem fair and that may seem, you know, that those are the residents that can pay their fair share. But those also tend to be the taxpayers who have the most volatile incomes. So they don't just make their money from wages. They make their money from a variety of sources, and those sources are very volatile. And so New Jersey actually increases its budgetary risks by relying on such a small segment of its population for such a large amount of its revenues. So you know the budget has been made riskier by relying on a, on an increasingly small number of, of taxpayers. We'll come back to the other states in a minute, because I think it's an important mm -hmm. point that you're making about you know, higher rates, um, which we've instituted in the last few years, are actually producing less revenue. And that's the outlook, I think, that you know generally accepted for this fiscal year. So let's talk about the near-term future mm -hmm. and what's in your report. Because you depict that this is not a uh, decision and a, a issue for future, really. You you say it's really right in front of us. Mm -hmm. And confirming that, you know, both Governor Murphy and many leaders in the legislature have already signaled that they intend to raise taxes this year, meaning this budget, meaning 2025. In spite of the abundance still of the surplus funds from the from the federal that are around. And that says to me you know, Thad, that we're already on the brink of this cliff. It's not several years from now. So what did your analysis conclude about 
what's going to happen to the cost of living on our residents and businesses if we continue down the current course and speed? Right. So the governor and others are already saying that they plan to raise taxes and they need to raise them to generate uh, something in the order of at least $5 billion over the next several fiscal years. And the important point to make on that is this is not in order to meet some new public need that they are now going to be able to fund. This is simply to meet the current level of spending. So not new spending, but just current levels of spending, not desired new programs or new needs, just what is already committed to. The governor says we need a, approximately $5 billion over the, you know, each year over the next few years, essentially to tread water. They're not talking about reigning in spending or reducing spending. They're talking about increasing taxes. What I lay out in the report is exactly how those types of tax increases will hit New Jersey residents. Yeah. Give us some examples, if you would. Sure. So, for example, taxpayers with incomes of just $100,000 and above are going to have to shoulder about 90% of the, of, the, of the tax increase if we increase the income tax rate. So, you know, $100,000, again, may sound like a, a significant annual income, but those making $100,000 and up uh, are going to shoulder the, the the vast majority of that tax increase if we increase the income tax rate in New Jersey. Another popular target of tax increases are corporations. New Jersey already ranks in the top four nationally for corporate tax rates. Um, corporations in New Jersey are already highly taxed. So if we were going to tax them more, uh, we would have to uh, essentially double the tax rate on corporations just to make the income necessary to fill that budget gap. And if I remember correctly, Thad, from your report, in the last couple of years, the revenue from corporations has already doubled once. Right. right? So from about two and a half to five, and you're saying it'd have to go from five to 10. Is that right? Correct. And just to put a finer point on it, it took about 10 years for New Jersey to, to double its corporate um uh, tax collections, and we would need to double them in one year with no reduction in their profitability, with no reduction in their locations, essentially assuming that, that corporations would not change their behaviors at all in response to a doubling of their tax rates, um, which I don't think most economic models would predict. How about sales tax? Suppose we use sales tax then. So sales tax is also a significant revenue generator for the state. The current tax rate is about 6.625%. I estimate that the sales tax rate would have to increase to about 9.1%. So that's a roughly 50% increase in sales tax rates just to generate that additional revenue. So what that would imply is the tax on the, the purchase of a new car, if you figure a new car costs around $35,000, a resident in New Jersey can expect to pay an extra $1,000. Not total, that'd be just an additional $1,000. If you go out to, to dinner, you go to a restaurant with your family, you can expect you know 40 to 50% higher sales tax uh, on, on every meal. And ordering in too, right? I mean, uh, also subject to inc this incremental sales tax, right? Correct, correct. So every every purchase made that is subject to sales tax 
is going to be subject to a 40 to 50% increase in, in the sales tax, borne um, primarily by the residents of New Jersey, um, which will obviously increase the cost of living um, within the state. And again, this is because the governor and other public officials have resolved to raise taxes rather than consider spending reductions. Um, raising taxes increases the cost of doing business in the state. It raises the cost of living in the state. Um, it, it reduces the ability of the state to be competitive, to attract new residents and new businesses. Yeah, well, to, to this point, right, that it seems inconceivable that this won't cause some individuals as well as businesses to look to other states. And I know there's been a lot going on in both our neighbors and other states around the country. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, about how there have been different strategies employed in other states? Other states have made efforts to make their tax structures more friendly to attract new residents and businesses. Some are neighbors of New Jersey, some are not. You know, one result from the pandemic was the realization that many industries and many businesses that we didn't consider workable from a remote location or movable might in fact be able to be worked remotely, maybe movable, uh, maybe less fixed by location than we ever suspected uh, in 2019. You have states such as you know Indiana, where they've moved to uh, a flat income tax rather than a graduated progressive one like New Jersey has. You have states like Iowa that have actually worked to reduce income taxes um, to make the state um, more affordable to residents and to uh, businesses moving in. Of course, you have states like Florida, Tennessee, Texas. These are states that have no state income taxes at all. These are states that have seen population growth um, that exceeds New Jersey's regularly. Over the past several years, New Jersey's population has grown very little. It actually grew um, over the past decade of only about 4% in total while the rest of the country grew 6%. And those states that I mentioned grew much more than that. Yeah, I think that's a really important point to pause on for a second, Thad, that you know these indicators, while we tout that our population is still growing, the point is others are more attractive, right? And they're growing at a higher rate, about the average of US as well as not just nearby, but you know, some are moving for lifestyle reasons, right? Moving to Colorado or South Carolina, mm -hmm. and they're able to retain their job, but of course we lose all the tax revenue. Correct. And and the important point also is that 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 four percent growth rate, which is already lower than the national average, again, not even comparing it to states that are seeing significant population growth, such as Florida, Texas, Tennessee, Colorado, et cetera. Beginning in 2022, the state actually lost residents. So that almost 4% growth over the last decade is actually masking more recent trends, which are very ominous for uh, New Jersey. If you're not attracting residents, um, obviously there are implications for your budget and, and, and your future growth as a state. But when you can't even retain the individuals and the families and the businesses who are already here, it's just an ominous sign and it has implications for the state's budget. 
Well, in addition, or reinforcing that point that right in terms of the attractiveness, I think you also cite in your report about unemployment rates, uh, which speaks to business investment, right, and jobs that are available. Right. What did you say in the report about our unemployment rate as well? Over the past decade, New Jersey's unemployment rate has tended to be higher than the national average. Um, at the end of 2023, uh, New Jersey's unemployment rate was just under 5%. It was 4.8%. The state gained jobs in education, health, leisure, hospitality, all important segments of the economy, all parts that we, we all believe are necessary. But those are lower paying jobs, um, which will obviously have ramifications for the budget. The other fact that you just want to keep in mind is that education and health, again, critical, important jobs, these tend to be largely supported from government spending, not from private sector activity that's adding value to the overall economy. All of these are, are essentially signs that the state is not as attractive um, for, for certain types of industry as other locations nationally. Yeah, well... You know, I think uh, you've laid out quite plainly, which I know was your goal, that current course and speed taxes are going to go up dramatically, not a slow, steady drip, but Correct. looks like pretty dramatically, right? Correct. So, so we're at an inflection point. You talked about a tipping point in terms of the revenue, and I think we're at an inflection point in terms of you know policy choices. So that we're going to have some options available. We're going into budget season now for the state of New Jersey. And we have a choice to continue down this less affordable, less attractive that you're just describing and deteriorating, frankly, in terms of employment rates and uh, quality of life. So um, as the legislature is now embarking upon this uh, budget season and individuals are anxiously awaiting the choices that are going to be made, where do you think the legislature ought to start? The overall theme is New Jersey's budget issue is not a revenue problem. It is a spending problem. The immediate solution of we have a budget hole, therefore we should raise taxes is, I believe, the incorrect policy choice. The state has seen a massive increase in revenues uh, filling the public coffers for the past several years. What it actually needs to do now is control spending and, and make the state a better place a more affordable place to live, to set up businesses, and to expand existing businesses. The solutions focus primarily on how the state can accomplish that goal of making um, the making New Jersey more attractive to to families who want to move in, individuals who want to move in, and businesses to move in and expand. It would move New Jersey from being a tax outlier in the United States to being more in line with other states, because right now it is one of the most taxed states in, in the country. Another important goal for the legislature and, and the governor should be to focus on pension and retiree health cost um, reform. These legacy costs already consume um, almost one-fifth, 20% of the annual state operating budget. That's right. That's such an important point for everyone to understand that, yeah, while hitting the the full payment feels good, 
it's not changing the weight of the overall numbers of the, the defined benefit pension system that's in place that most states have moved away from, right? This is correct. No state that is setting up a retirement system for its workers today would set up a defined benefit system the way it is uh, uh, in New Jersey currently. The other issue is that, that those, those pension contributions, which again, have not moved the needle significantly at all on the funded ratio, uh, are gonna come under significant pressure as, as spending pressures mount on the state. And so an, an unanswered question is whether the state's newfound um, fiscal discipline around its pension funding will be maintained through difficult budget times over the next few years. So as revenues stagnate or decline, as they are already starting to, will right. the state still put the amount of money into the pension system that is needed? The state should actually, rather than trying to just plug that hole, they should be working to come up with reforms that will result in um, the state not having to spend 20% of its of its budget on these legacy costs rather than trying to make the state more competitive going forward. Well, right, right. I mean, and it, it is, we mentioned Pennsylvania before that, it, that we don't have to look very far for examples. Um, Rhode Island was probably a leader in it, but Pennsylvania most recently, right? Not only did they provide, you know, uh, I think corporate tax reductions, right? Paste over time, make them more competitive. But before that even, they were able to institute a what they call a hybrid pension system, which right. retains some of the defined benefit, but really modernizes into a defined contribution or 401k type pension system, which the vast majority of people in the United States really uh, prefer, quite frankly, because it is so portable. And in terms of retiree health care benefits, many states have moved away from simply promising these open-ended benefits, which are very expensive. And as we know, as health uh, healthcare costs continue to increase at a rate greater than inflation, these these costs uh, for for New Jersey are just going to increase. What other states and other municipalities have done is basically convert it more into a defined contribution plan where retirees are given a lump sum every year. And from that lump sum, they can purchase the health benefits that they choose in retirement. It tends to be less expensive for the governments. It tends to maintain benefits for the retirees. And it also allows the retirees to actually prioritize the, the, the healthcare um, benefits that they prefer rather than a blanket one where they may use some but not others and it's a waste of public dollars. So you're exactly right that that reform reform is not impossible in this area. There just has to be a real concerted effort to to do that. Yeah, well, this is coming to a head uh, and frankly earlier than I'm sure anyone anticipated, but we have escalating cost pressures, as you just described, right, on health benefits. There's contractual obligations on salaries. There are, you know, ongoing inflation pressures at multiple levels inside inside the government. And we have to start making choices and to address some of the known challenges that we've been able to avoid. And, you know, frankly, that we should have dealt with, maybe you can argue 10 or 15 years ago, but here we are. And as other states have moved to different strategies, 
I think we will be well guided by your report in terms of the options will be to make us less and less competitive, less and less affordable, and therefore less and less viable, quite frankly, for um, either residents or businesses to continue to come here. So I believe that there are solutions that you just outlined. These are all choices. These are not impossible tasks, and they're all choices that we make at the policy level. So maybe to, to kind of wrap up here and for the audience, you know, when they're looking at your report, and of course, you know, it's it's really uh, you know incredibly thorough in looking at both the trends as well as what the outlooks can be and the options and kind of the good things we should retain and other opportunities for reform, like we were just talking about it. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you offer our audience to close up here um, in terms of how they can use your report and what they ought to be saying to the representatives in the legislature? A lot of the federal money that that happened as a result of, of our response to COVID, as, uh, it, it basically gave um, New Jersey and other states, but we're focused on New Jersey here, it really gave New Jersey um, the chance to make some structural changes to its budget to make the the state finances more sustainable, more viable, make the state more competitive. I kind of view a lot of this federal money uh, that was spent as as a generational missed opportunity for governments. There was little long-term policy change that that resulted from this money that could have spurred greater economic growth, such as reducing tax rates, significant pension reforms, or investment infrastructure. So, Look, I understand public budgeting can seem like a distant and and arcane thing that's disconnected from our day-to-day lives. How states manage money, though, how states manage their finances matters. It matters fundamentally. It truly does. Look at states that are growing in the current environment. It's states that maintain sustainable benefits for their employees. They work to keep spending in check tax burdens that are that are kept manageable and make it easier for businesses to operate and move there. People are already voting with their feet currently. They're moving from places where living is expensive, operating businesses are difficult to states where it is less expensive and easier to do to do business. It's difficult to change spending. Uh, in in government budgets, because someone always feels like they're losing out when when that happens, and and those are the people, those are the parties that get the ears of the representatives. So average citizens need to actually be aware that reforms such as the ones laid out in in this report, and and some of them seem distant. I, I understand. That's you. right. Essentially, what you draw the straight line between. If you don't do that, five billion of taxes. You're coming down on the heads of New Jerseyans, primarily residents, but also businesses, because as we discussed, you know, the the rate of either increasing sales tax or doubling the corporate tax rate or pushing, you know, taxes down to the hundred thousand dollar level and above 90 percent of that five five billion is going to drive more of the behavior you just described. Correct. And so as average citizens can be made aware that these reforms will make their lives better, what they need to do is actually make their representatives aware that they know that these reforms will make their lives better and that they actually understand it. Representatives here, as I said, from those who say, if you change this policy, we are going to lose and be made worse off. But 
failing to make these changes is going to make everyone in the state worse off and make businesses worse off. So policy change in this case, um, I, I think, will only come by by representatives um, hearing from average citizens and then uh, actually expending the political capital that they have to make average citizens' lives better through these reform efforts. Yeah, 100%. Well, thank you so much, Thad, really, for, as I said, joining the GSI briefing today and for delivering your report, the New Jersey Fiscal Cliff Explained. And I look forward to, you know, discussing this more and coming back maybe after the budget session, Thad, and see what decisions did the legislature make and what is the road that we're going to go down? Is it the same or is it really different? So thanks again, Thad, for being on the GSI briefing. Thank you for having me. The GSI Briefing is produced by the Garden State Initiative. For more information about GSI, visit us at gardenstateinitiative.org and be sure to follow us on social media. Don't forget to subscribe to the GSI Briefing on the podcast platform of your choice. And please leave us a good rating. This is Regina Agia, and thank you for listening.